Good morning, Chapel Hill. As you can hear, I still have that cold that I had last week. Decided to stick around for a little while. Uh, If you do not have a Bible with you this morning, you are going to need one to follow along as we uh, dive into the Word of God once again. So if you don't have one, just put your hand up and our ushers will give you one that you can use for the service. And if you are receiving one of those Bibles that they're handing out and you do not have a Bible of your own, please just keep the one that you receive. This is the Word of God and in it you will find the words of life. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, I um, am exercising tremendous restraint this morning. Just so you know, I'm just going to brag a little bit. I have incredible self-control. I am not wearing my Seahawks jersey. (laughs) The temptation was there, but well, if I was preaching on forgiveness this morning, I might have gone ahead and worn it, but uh, we're not doing that. So instead of distracting you this morning with the inevitable, uh, I will just carry on with (laughs) there we go. I got it out of my system. Now we're good. All right. Last week, last week we dove back into the book of First Peter in our study there, and um, I was just thrilled with uh, where Peter took us in his words to the scattered church in Asia Minor. Um, incredible words there, and I want to read them again to you just to remind you of where we were last week before we carry on this Sunday into a new passage. This is what Peter wrote to the church. He said, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. And so we spent some time last week on that passage and particularly on verse 22. And verse 22 is loaded, loaded with great words from Peter. And if you did not have a chance to be here last Sunday, just go to our website, chapelhillchurch.com, and go to sermons and listen to last week's message on intense love. Um, it had an impact, and I want to thank all of you who gave me feedback of, of how God spoke to you through that verse, through that passage that was very, very encouraging to hear from so many of you about the different things that God said to you through that. It was just an amazing passage and and I loved how deeply it spoke to me and really to all of us and that was great. Peter mentions that the word of the Lord remains forever and it's the good news that was delivered to us. And we want to stay in that thought this morning. Um, so turn to First Peter chapter 2. Chapter 2. And please let me know if I'm going too fast. <laughs> we, are, we are moving on to chapter 2 finally. First Peter chapter 2. And for those of you who are visiting with us, um, we've been in First Peter for a while. And uh, we're just enjoying our time there. We're taking our time. We're not in a rush to get through it. Um, God has a lot to say through Peter in this book. And so we're just working through it little by little and finding all kinds of rich, rich material in there. So this morning we're moving on to First Peter chapter 2. And this is what I want to do. I want to read the first three verses. And that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning of verse 1. Now Peter says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. 
Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so what I want to do this morning is break this passage down again, very much like we did last week. And so we're going to pull up our passage here, and we're going to work through the different pieces that are in that passage. And so Peter begins this passage, these three verses, with the word so, which of course ties it into what he just said. This is a therefore. And so we have to look at it and figure out why it's there. It relates back to the things that we looked at last week. It relates back to Peter's command for us to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. It relates back to his comments about the word of God being imperishable, being an imperishable seed. It relates back to the word of God bringing us life, eternal life, new life. His words brought us, God's words brought us this new eternal life. So, so go after those words, seek those words, pursue those words with everything you've got. And that's the main message I want to get across this morning. We've got to pursue God's words and we'll talk about why and we'll talk about how. God's words have brought us life. Amen? Amen. 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 So what? God's words brought you into existence. By God's words, you were chosen. God wrote some words in the book of life. Those words were your name. It was your name that he wrote. Those were his words. So what? God's words were like a mother's milk that a baby needs to survive. So what? God's words brought you a new heart, a new spirit, by which we can actually love each other the way that God loves us. So what? God's words were full of promises and always have been, and all of those promises God fulfilled. So what? So go after those words with everything that you've got. Seek those words. Pursue the words of life. Pursue God's words. Look for them passionately. Go after them. And that seems at a surface level to be really easy, doesn't it? Something as amazing as the words of God. Of course, we're going to go after those. We go after the things that we really like. This is a really positive thing. It's a life-giving thing. His words are filled with life and truth and all these things. Why wouldn't we pursue them? Why wouldn't we make them the highest priority in our life? Why wouldn't we go after them? Think about the things that you like, that you go after. Think about the house that you bought and how new it was to you and how you went after it. You wanted that new house, the new car. Think about how you went after that. You pursued that new car. For some, it's just a new pair of shoes. You get excited and passionate about pursuing that new pair of shoes. Maybe it's a new girlfriend. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's something like that. We pursue things that are amazing, things that are positive, things that bring us joy, that bring us pleasure. We pursue those easily and passionately. But think about our pursuit of God's words. Where does that rank? Where does that fall in order of the things that we're passionate about? What are they to us? What do they mean to us? What do God's words mean to us? Think about some of the ways that we look at God's word. 
Sometimes the words of God are are just like a a life ring thrown out to us because we're drowning and we need something to hold on to. Things are tough. We're going through something really hard, something sad, something heavy, something difficult. And then, then we reach out for the words of God because they save us. They bring us life. We need something to keep us afloat, at least until the next wave comes. And then we'll reach out again for God's words. Sometimes it it really is just a, a literary escape for us, isn't it? We need, we need something to, to distract us from all the nonsense around us. And we, we need a good read. We need to put our mind on something positive. And so we go to God's words and, and, and we look for those. And, and that is a great escape for us, but maybe that's all that it is. We're distracted by everything else in this world all the time. But every once in a while, we need a good escape. And so we go to the words of God. Sometimes when we look at the words of God, we see just a list of rules and laws And really, who wants to pursue that? It's not something that gets us excited, is it? But we look at it that way. We view God's words that way. Sometimes we view God's words as God's word, the Bible, and it's a religious obligation. This is something that we know we're supposed to do is read the Bible. And so we make sure that, you know, it's 2016 and one of our New Year's resolutions was we're going to read the Bible more. And so we sit down and we try really hard to read the Bible because that's what we're supposed to do because that's what our religion says we're to do is read the Bible. And that's all it becomes is just a a religious exercise obligation that we feel we have to do we're supposed to do it this morning I want us to examine and and hopefully change the way that we view the words of God Peter says so since these words brought you life and a new heart here's what i want you to do and and note in here that peter uh, unlike most of us myself included does not use any form of guilt to draw you to the words of god peter does not say you're supposed to so get at it he doesn't do that he says so put away put away he uses now the term put away When it comes to pursuing the word of God. He says there's something we've got to cast off. There's something we have to get rid of. There's something that that is keeping us from reaching the word of God. Keeping us from finding God's words. So first he says put away the things that, that he writes about here. He says put away. Now if we go to other parts of the Bible and we look at Paul's writings for example. Paul was uh, certainly on board with this. He got the necessity of putting something off in order to get something else. Stop doing this if you want this to happen. Paul understood that. So let me give you a couple examples. Colossians chapter 3 verses 8 to 10. This is what Paul writes to the church in Colossae. He says, but now you must put them all away. And then he, he gives a list like Peter does. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices 
And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Paul gets the concept of put it off in order to take on something new. He talks about the old creature and the new creature. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 to 25, he says this. He says, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. First, we're to put things off. Then we are to put things on or pursue new things, better things to replace those old things. But Paul and Peter both get the idea that something has to be put off if we're going to find the good things that we're looking for. Our pursuit of God's words is going to require some effort on the front end to put off the things that will keep us from finding them, from hearing them, from seeing them. Now, the pursuit of life-giving pleasant things is easy unless, of course, we're weighed down by things that are going to keep us from getting there, from finding the things that we need, the things that we want. And so we do all kinds of things to get to what we want, don't we? We do this. We do this in life. We practice this. We, we save money to get something that we want. So we put off the different things that we typically spend money on in order to save money to get what we want. We reorder our schedules to spend time with that person that we want to be with. We put off things that we've been doing with our time in order to do something new with our time. It's what we do. We lose weight for that new thing that we want or that vacation that we're going on, for that swimsuit that we hope we fit into. We put something off in order to attain something that we want. Um, I have had to learn to put off a lot of things having diabetes. That's not fun, not at all, but I've had to put off some things that I really like because there's something greater that I want to go for. I want good health. I want to be able to be active and, and have the kind of life with my wife and my kids that I want to have and not be bogged down by diabetes and, and the effects that it has on your body. So I've had to put off things in order to get the thing that I want. We're to put things off for the sake of the pleasant things, the valuable things that we pursue. And so Peter's calling the church to cast off the things that slow us down in our pursuit of God and his words. He's inviting us to join Jesus in his pursuit of his father's words. But that's going to take um, some effort for us to deal with the things that are weighing us down. What we need to become experts at is rejection. We need to be good at saying no. We need to be good at rejecting the things that are slowing us down. And honestly, we're not that good at rejecting. We're good at choosing well. We're not so good at rejecting well. And we have to learn to become good rejectors. It's just got to be a skill that we attain. We have to learn to stop. We have to learn to say no. We have to learn to resist. We have to learn to put off 
to cast aside, to get rid of the things that weigh us down. We've got to learn to identify and cast off in our lives any evil thing that is keeping us from God and his words and carrying out the plan that he has for our lives. And we all have those things. We've all got those things that we've got to get rid of, that we've got to set aside, that we've got to cast off. We need to learn to fight with all of our strength to do that. And so Peter makes some suggestions of things that we're to cast off, that we're to put aside. He talks about putting away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. And he gives us some suggestions here. And these things, as you can see, are directly related to what he taught us last week. He taught us to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. What are some things that are keeping us from doing that? From carrying out what God has for us? From pursuing God's words and will and plan in our lives? These things. And so Peter addresses them. He calls them out. He talks about all malice. And this is just a word for for general wickedness. Evil intent that we have towards each other. Not wanting the best for each other. He talks about that. He says we've got to get rid of that. That's malice. He talks about deceit. How we trick each other, how we bait each other into thinking that, that, uh, that we are somebody that we're not. Or uh, we, we, de- we deceive each other into doing things for us, liking us, all these things. This, this deceit is something that we do to each other. He talks about hypocrisy, faking it. Pretending that we're someone that we're not. Pretending that we're okay when we're not. The masks. He talks about envy. He talks about how jealous we get of each other. I want what this person has. And and that, that bothers us. And so we think differently about somebody because we're jealous of what they have. Or how things are going for them. Or for, of what plan God has for their life. We're jealous of that. And so there's envy there. And he talks about all slander. And now this is backbiting. This is defamation. This is talking poorly about someone behind their back. This is gossip. That horrible poison that exists that's called gossip. Peter commanded us to love one another earnestly. Or to go after the word of God which has given us a new life. A new heart, a new spirit. And to do this he says start here. Start by getting rid of, by rejecting, by saying no to these things that are happening. The malice, the deceit, the hypocrisy, the envy, the slander. He says those have to go first. These are the things that are keeping us from hearing the words that God is speaking to us. It's not that God's not speaking. He's speaking. He's speaking all the time. There's a picture that I want to give you of this. Um, I'm going to use my wife as an example. My wife is constantly affirming me. She's constantly telling me the things that are great about me. She's constantly telling me how proud she is to have married a long-haired Canadian because 
when Donald Trump becomes president, we have a place to go. We can leave and get away. It'll be easier for us because I'm Canadian. So she's telling me all these things all the time. She's telling me how, what great style I have. She's telling me how, I, how well I rock a 1980s haircut. She's telling me all these wonderful things. But instead of me hearing all these things that she's saying, she doesn't stop talking. She just keeps going with all these things. But all I'm hearing is, Why? Because I'm busy thinking about and practicing malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander, and I can't hear. This is what Peter's saying. We're, as long as we're wrapped up in these things, we can't hear God speak. And we wonder sometimes, why is he so silent? He's just not saying anything to me. Look in the mirror. Peter's saying it's probably because there's something that's keeping you from hearing God's words. And this is, this is okay for this to, to happen in the sense that if, if we're distracted by the things of this world, by things of our enemy, by selfish things, then no, of course we're not going to hear him. God's asking for our attention. He's asking for our our pursuit. He's asking for our ears, for us to listen. And he's going to keep speaking, but we've got to learn to cast things off so that we can hear him speaking. And Peter doesn't mess around. He says, these things have to go. Or you're not going to be able to hear. Now Peter moves from grass to milk. Last week he talked about grass. This week he's talking about milk. I love his analogies. He says, like babies long for their mother's milk that they completely depend on, we're to long for pure spiritual milk. We're to earnestly desire pure spiritual milk. And the milk is the word of God. It's God's words. It's God's voice. We're to long for that with passion with earnest desire, that long for statement here. Again, Peter's using a dramatic term like he did last time. Earnestly desire. Desire the word of God to the fullest of your capacity. Long for it. This is an intense, recurring, insatiable desire. And it's a major challenge for all of us, I think. This is hard for us to do. I want to take some inspiration regarding our love of God's word from the Bible itself. Turn to Psalm 119. Um, I haven't got the reference up on the screen, but Psalm 119 is roughly in the middle of the Bible. Uh, It's pretty easy to find somewhere near the middle. You might go back towards the front just a little bit. But Psalm 119, the longest chapter, longest uh, chapter in the Bible. It's a monster and it's filled with all kinds of beautiful stuff. Psalm 119, go to verse 97. I'm going to listen to the psalmist here, and I'm going to borrow the first verse of the next section here that you'll see. So we're going to read verses 97 to verse 105. Try and jump into this yourself. Oh, how I love your law. 
It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And brothers and sisters, this is not about reading the Bible as a spiritual discipline. This is about loving and pursuing and craving God's words. If you get disciplined, you certainly can begin to fall in love more and more. If you do take the time to read his words, to listen to him, it's going to help you fall in love with the words of God. But this is about desiring, about developing that desire for God's words. Like the passion that we have for someone that we love. Like the hunger that comes after fasting. Like a baby craves the milk that it needs to survive. So are we to desire the words of God. For what purpose? Peter gives it to us. He says then that you, that by it, you may grow up into salvation. That by it you may grow up into salvation. There are plenty of benefits to reading or hearing the words of God. They can be like a life ring to us. They can give us guidance or perspective or hope or encouragement or wisdom or correction or affirmation. God's word can be all of these things for us. But Peter focuses his words here on one general principle related to the words of God. The milk that is the word of God will cause us to grow up, to increase to improve, to expand, to mature. That's what it'll do for us. It says that by it you may grow up into salvation. And I want to go back to an Israel, Old Testament type use of the word salvation for you because this is powerful. When the people of Israel wrote about salvation, they wrote most often about how God delivered them. They talked, they raved about how God delivered them over and over. Peter writes that the word of God will deliver us. It'll save us. From what? Well, from the impact of our enemies, from everything that's coming at us, from from earthly pressure and evil. This salvation that Peter refers to here is deliverance. God wants to deliver us through his words. And it's something, and here we go again, this is a theme from last week as well. It's something that happened once, but is an ongoing, continuous action. God saved us, and God is saving us. Every minute of every day, we've been saved, and we're being saved from our enemy through the words of God. How did Jesus respond to Satan when Satan took him out into the desert for 40 days to tempt him before he started his ministry? How did Jesus respond? He gave him God's words, didn't he? He responded with God's words. That's how Jesus overcame that intense temptation. We can learn from that. God's words bring us deliverance. 
And honestly, we don't have much hope for deliverance without his words. Our words, our strength isn't going to do it. For Israel, when God spoke through the prophets, he was trying to deliver them. And today when God speaks through his word, through the Bible, or through his spirit directly to us, he is most likely trying to deliver us from something or someone. His words, his laws, his statutes are for our good. They're for our deliverance. And so we're to crave them, we're to desire them. And is this not enough to cause us to earnestly desire his words? By them we are grown up into salvation. Then Peter finishes it this way. He says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Two of you have. That's great. How about the rest of you? Have you tasted that the Lord is good? You have, haven't you? He's good to us all the time. Think about how you've tasted his goodness. Because you have. Have you found his words to be pleasing? The study of 1 Peter is, is certainly doing this for me again. I am finding God's words, the word of God, to be pleasing. Just one verse last week just took me on an enormous journey. I loved it. Have you found him to be good to you? And I will try to remind you of his goodness regularly here. Listen to the words of the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. he says to God, Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. At one point in Jesus' ministry, uh, many of his followers left him, abandoned him. They quit and they walked away. Jesus had said some difficult things and people had a hard time with Jesus' words on a regular basis. They weren't meant to be easy. They weren't meant to be just something to tickle their ears. Jesus was not like that. And from time to time, Jesus would say something that was really, really difficult for people to stomach. They couldn't take it. And so there was a point in his ministry in John chapter 6 where, where people left him because of the things that he said. And so Jesus turns to his disciples to ask them what they're going to do. I want to read this passage to you. John chapter 6, verses 66 to 69. This is what John writes. After this, after the hard things that Jesus said, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, to his, his chosen disciples, he said, do you want to go away as well? And here's our, our author, Peter. And I love his heart. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed And we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. 
for all his mistakes. Peter got it. And he said to Jesus, no matter what you say, I don't want to go anywhere else. This is where I want to stay. I want to stay with you, Jesus, because you have the words of eternal life. Can we make that statement with Peter this morning? Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. God, your words are life to me. Do we long for the words of God? Are we pursuing his words? Do we truly see the value of the words of God? Do we honestly acknowledge that Jesus has the words of eternal life? Do we realize that these are the words that have been spoken to us? And because of that, are we pursuing them? Are we earnestly desiring the spiritual milk that we need that is found in the words of God? See, these are the words that were to speak to others who have not found Christ. These are the words that we have to offer them, not our counsel, not our advice, our deep wisdom. These are not, those are not the words that we have to offer this world. It's the words of God. And if we're going to offer those words to a world that is dying and lost, we're going to need to hear them and know them and desire them ourselves, aren't we? We have been given by our Father new life and a new love, a love for his words. Let's set aside anything that might prevent us from hearing them and long for them like a baby longs for milk. Don't go from here and and work harder to be more disciplined in your Bible reading. This isn't about being more religious. Peter says we're to cast off. What do you need to cast off? What do you need to reject? What do you need to say no to? What do you need to stop? So that you can hear God's words. Cast off and crave. God is waiting to speak to you. Desire his words. I'm going to invite the ushers to come and the worship team to help us close our service today. Will you pray with me as they come? Father, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for speaking to me and to us. Thank you that you will not stop speaking to us. Speaking of how much you love us. Speaking of the, the value that we have to you. Speaking of the plan that you have for our lives. The ways in which you want to use even us. Speaking of your forgiveness and grace. Speaking your laws to us. Things that will lead us to life. Things that will lead us to wisdom. Things that will lead us to understanding. Things that will lead us to you. Thank you for 
patiently and graciously speaking to us through your word, through the Bible, through your spirit as you write your laws on our hearts and our minds, as you comfort us, as you guide us by your Holy Spirit. God, how generous and merciful it was for you to come that close to come close to us through your son, but, but even closer through your spirit. God, I do long to hear your words. I do long for the day when your words have tremendous value to every single one of us, the value that you intend them to have for us. These are the words of life. God, we desire those words. We desire that life. We desire your deliverance, your salvation in our lives. So God, help us. Help us to identify and cast off the noise that is keeping us from hearing your voice. As we've been told to love each other earnestly, We've also been told to cast off the things that are keeping that from happening. And so God, as you show us how to love each other, give us the strength, give us the wisdom to cast off. Give us the self-control that comes from your spirit, the strength that only you can provide. Bring that, bring your Holy Spirit and fill us so that we can cast off and crave Thank you, Father, for the life that you have brought us. What a gift. We praise you for who you are. You're a good Father, and we love you for being that Father. And we pray all these things with gratitude in the name of your Son, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.